May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here today. I want to talk to you this morning about this reading from Galatians. Uh, just a couple of verses, 22 and 23. And a big idea today is the fruit of the Spirit fulfills the intention of the law. The fruit of the Spirit fulfills the intention of the law. If the intention of the law is that we should uh, love God and love our neighbor, love God and love others, then if we are Spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ and we've been reconciled with the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit, then our lives and our character should be reflected by the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You'll be hearing more of that this morning. Um, two questions in Galatians. Number one, are people justified simply by faith or by following certain rules? The answer is very clear through all of Paul's writings. We are justified by faith, not by works. And the number two question is, if we are justified simply by faith, how then should we live our lives? We're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to spend a little time on question number two. In chapter five, Paul talks about freedom in Christ and in the gospel, but he's heartbroken that people have fallen back under the yoke of the law. And, and he says, uh, who led you astray? What are you doing? Why are you going back under what you came out of? And it's just breaking his heart that these people are going back under this oppressive way of thinking, living, and acting, thinking that this is somehow how they will be connected and reconciled with the Father rather than through faith. He goes on to say that true freedom is found in the Spirit, and the Spirit will, if we allow him, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. This is called sanctified transformation. You may have heard that phrase before, certainly. Salvation is three, three parts. There's justification by faith. We're reconciled with the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Second is sanctified transformation, becoming who God has called us to be. Our lives are constant. Once we make that connection with God, then our lives are constantly under reformation, changing. We are reacting differently. We're, we're processing differently. We see things differently. Our values change. And that's a lifelong process that we go through. And finally, we have glorification. Glorification. Going to be with God forever. I will have hair. It's funny what you think about. Uh, Holy Spirit produces the character traits that are found in the nature of Christ. We reflect that. They're the byproducts of Christ's control. We can't get them by trying to get them on our own. We cannot produce fruit. That's something that is done by, by God. Um, we are the recipients of that, but we don't get to produce it. Jesus tells us that in John 15. If we know, love, serve, and imitate him, we will, be, we will fulfill the intended purpose of the law to love God and love our neighbors. I, I see people acting in, in ways that don't reflect that, I, I, and it saddens me, and I pray for them. We just had an, 
amazing uh, rendering of the, by the Supreme Court. And what it did was it overturned Roe v. Wade and sent that decision back to the states for their deliberation. So it took it out of the hands of the judges and put it back in the hands of the people. And then there are people who are very unhappy with that. And uh, where's PG? Over here in the back. PG works up, Schaefer works at a um, pregnancy center up in uh, Gainesville. We have one here in Ocala, Women's Pregnancy Center, Education for Life. Catholic churches as well have been put on alert that uh, beware, be careful, be ready, because there are people who are very unhappy with this who may come and do things to you, firebomb you place, put graffiti on it, harass people, things like that. Or I watched them marching as a mob with their very, with their obscene signs and things like this. And I think of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, none of which is on display in the hearts of the people who are doing this. And I pray for them that they might come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because they're on a path that leads to destruction. And it does break my heart to see them acting out in this way. They need to be held accountable, but it saddens me that so many people are, are so far away from what God, where God wants them to be. You know? Paul says that the fruits are what I've just said four times. Um, if you go over to the uh, school in the courtyard, in the archway, you'll see the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control um, over there, written. Uh, if, if you ever went to Grace, anybody here go to Grace? Matthew? Now, Ken, you did not attend Grace Christian School. Oh, Edna. Oh, that, oh yes, you, you kind of went there. Yes, you did. They would know the song. I'm going to sing this song with the kids at the, at the sermon. But, it, you know, it's the one that goes, Fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. Fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then we go through, it's not a cherry, it's not a banana, it's not a watermelon, and it's definitely not a fruit cocktail. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So some of the kids will sing it. And if you know it, you're going to get called up to help. Edna, thank you for reminding me. God bless you. But it's a song that you never forget. The message, Gene Peterson puts it this way. Affection for others he calls love, exuberance about life is joy, serenity is peace, a willingness to stick with things is patience, a sense of compassion in the heart is kindness, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people is goodness, loyal commitment is faithfulness, not needing to force our way into, into life is gentleness, and able to marshal and direct our energies wisely is self-control. I want to look at each of these in turn. Love, again, four words in Greek for love, eros, romantic love. We don't find it in the scripture. There's philos, phileo, brotherly love. That's the band of brothers, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Storge is familial love. And then there's agape. And agape 
is unconditional love. It's the kind of love that God has for us, and this is the kind of love he expects us to have for one another. So no matter what someone may do to us, we will never seek anything but their highest good. When, when I pr would pray for the uh, Muslim terrorists, I would pray for their highest good, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, because I think, can't think of any higher good than that. I wish for them the highest good. What we're going to find out is that love is more of a decision than a feeling. This is the kind of, this is agape love. It, it's a decision that we make to do it, not because we feel like it, but because this is what God tells us to do. It's more of a matter of the mind than a matter of the heart because it chooses to love the undeserving. And as William Barclay says, this is loving people who aren't easy to love, loving people you don't even like. How do you feel about people that are really hard to get along with? Oh. And he says, I want you to love them anyway because it's a decision that you make. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. He says, um, joy, inward peace, and sufficiency that is not affected by outward circumstances. You've heard me describe the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends on what happens, and it goes up and down. We can be happy one minute and unhappy the next. Joy is more of this constant. Joy comes from God. Happiness comes from our circumstances. So we can be happy or we can be unhappy, depending upon what's happening um, in our lives. We could say that this is the, the joy of the Spirit, because it's a higher joy than just the thrill of an exciting experience or a wonderful set of circumstances. It's a joy that can abide and remain even when circumstances seem terrible. Paul knew this joy personally. Uh, he could sing when manacled in a dark prison. He does this in, uh, in the book of Acts. Used to be able to do this without glasses. And I get a different Bible, but this was my mother's. So the, this is Paul and his buddies uh, are in uh, Philippi. The crowd joined in, attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments on them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into the stocks. The inner prison is the, is the lowest part of the prison, which is a sewer. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So that's, they've been beaten They've been thrown into the lowest part of this prison, which is where the sewer is, and here they are at midnight praying and singing hymns despite their circumstances. These were not what we would call good circumstances. But it didn't matter to them because they had God. God. And I always say that God's character and nature did not depend upon my circumstances because my circumstances change all the time, and God never changes. He is constant. Peace. Love and joy together produce peace. It's used of the serenity 
uh, a country enjoyed in a well-governed land. This is Barclay. Villages had someone called the keeper of the public peace. It's tranquility of heart. Our times are in the hands of God. It's kind of overall well-being. It's like shalom. Um, relationally, things are good. Believers are not dependent upon circumstances. Their joy comes not from what they have, but from what they are. Peace is the peace with God, peace with people. It's a positive peace filled with blessing and goodness, not simply the absence of fighting. William Barclay says the ancient Greek word used here for peace is irene, and it means not just freedom from trouble, but everything that makes a man's highest good. Here it means that tranquility of heart which derives from the all-pervading consciousness that our times are in the hands of God. And in, in the early days of the church, the Greek word for peace is irene. And one of the names that was very common and very well-liked back in the day was Irene. Irene comes from that word uh, for peace, irene. You know? And we just lost a wonderful, dear member of the church, Irene Resendez. And Irene was 97 years old, and she would come every morning, with every Sunday morning with two of her friends, Rita and Flora. And uh, at the end of her life, the last three mornings that she woke up, she said the same thing, crap, still here, because she was so ready to go. She was, well, I mean, she was ready to go, you know, and just a wonderful, wonderful wo woman, wonderful person. When I, and when I think of her, I think of peace. Patience, courageous endurance without quitting, slow to anger, forbearing. My mother sang that song to me when I went up. We had seven kids in my family. Some of us would get impatient every now and then. And then she would burst into song, have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry when you get it's then you start to worry. Remember, remember that God has patience too. And think of all the times when others had to wait for you. And then you would feel sufficiently chastised and stop doing whatever it was you were doing. Another word for patience is long-suffering, and it means that one can lo have love, joy, and peace even over a period of time when people and events annoy them. God is not quickly irritated with us, so we should not be quickly irritated with others as well. <clears throat> Kindness is love in action. Old wine uh, is called that same word, or mellow, and, and Christ's yoke, the yoke that we're supposed to be carrying, Christ's yoke is also that same word for kindness. It's a goodness which is kind. Gentleness, I'm sorry, goodness does not occur in secular Greek, only in the Bible. It's virtue equipped at every point. This word can rebuke, while kindness can only help. This is interesting. Jesus showed goodness driving out the money changes from the temple, and kindness when he was kind to Mary when she anointed his feet. 
goodness can mean doing something for someone's own good even when they don't like it or maybe when they don't understand it, but you're trying to help them do something or change a behavior that isn't beneficial or helpful to them. You know, this is what Jesus is doing. He's angry, but he's also trying to say to these people, this is wrong, you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be doing this, stop it. He wasn't, he wasn't angry for no, for no reason. When we say gentle, let's see, uh, faithful. One who is trustworthy, reliable. The idea is that the Spirit works faithfulness in us both to God and to people. It is the characteristic of a person who is reliable. The ability to serve God faithfully through the years and through the temptations of life is not something we achieve by heroic virtue. It comes from the Spirit. That was Leon Morris. Faithfulness is a, it's an incredibly powerful and important virtue, fruit. I see it here often. I see it with um, Bonnie. I saw Bonnie here today. Where's Bonnie? Oh, there she is. Not raising her hand very high. But Jim is, there she is, there it's up. Jim has been in the hospital or, or the rehab center for how long? Two months. Two months. Okay, nine weeks. Back and forth, back and forth. And I go often, and almost every time, 99% of the time that I go, Bonnie is there. I remember Jay Carmichael used to walk his wife Jean up the aisle for communion when she couldn't see anymore. Kathy moved down to... Tampa 20 years ago for three months when Liam was in the hospital and she moved up to Ronald McDonald House for a month up at Shands when our son was there with Ian Boyce syndrome. I see it with spouses, I see it with parents. This morning we had, we had a, a, a new family and the mother is Mary, the father is Tim and the little girl is Anna. And Anna comes in and she's got headphones on and uh, she wasn't happy today because she's special needs and she likes keyboards. And she wasn't happy because the keyboard, she has 12 keyboards, and the keyboard that she wanted to bring into the church was still in the car because her parents said, you're not bringing the keyboard into church. And I asked the mom, I said, how old is Anna? And she said, 25 years old. And I said, and you have a smile on your face. And she said, only because of God. And it's genuine. It's genuine faithfulness in spite of difficult circumstances is so powerful. Powerful. Gentleness, submissive to the will of God, being teachable, being considerate. And then we have self-control. One who is a master of their own desires. This is um, Barclay. One who is a master of his own desires. Athletes discipline their body. Paul says that even when things are lawful, they should be subjected to three tests. Is it helpful? Is what I'm going to do or say right now, will it help or will it hurt? It should be constructive. 
Is what I'm going to do or say right now, will it build up or will it tear down? And it should be to the glory of God. And why am I saying this? Or why am I doing this in the first place? What is the end result of what I'm doing or saying? What do I hope to achieve by this? Self-control, not reacting to emotion or because somebody pulled the trigger on you and your fuse went off. You think before you act. You think before you speak. This is self-control. It's possible for the flesh to counterfeit the fruit but not produce it. One test is that when it is real, God gets the glory and the person is unaware of his spirituality. It happens naturally with an unawareness of self in the process. I'm going to read a letter that's going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but that's really not my purpose. Um, I got this June 15th. It was to me, to the church, regarding your kindness Dear Reverend Kern, on Sunday, June 5th, my wife Carol and I, my wife Carol called out to you in the hallway of Ocala Regional Hospital and asked if you could please help us with last rites for my mom, Honora Band. I remember this because he said, my mother's name is Honora, honor with an A, right? Who was in a coma following uh, a massive stroke. You were so very kind to respond so graciously to our request. You gave such comfort to myself and my wife and my sister, Judy, who was on the phone with us at the moment. I wanted to thank you very much, not just for helping us, but for your willingness as a clergyman to help others in need as well. My mom was transferred to hospice uh, later that evening and passed, and passed the following Tuesday, never regaining consciousness. Please accept the enclosed that was a, she gave us a donation to the church as a small token of our gratitude uh, for your help and the comfort you provided to my family. I gave him a discount on the donation because of the coma. Normally it's a set fee. What? And then I realized there are new people here who don't know me. Oh, yes. Well, then yesterday, I'm coming down in the elevator, and there's a woman, and I'm, I had on a black suit and a collar, and she said, are you a father? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, put, could you put my mother on your prayer list? She's having uh, surgery and everything else. So we got off the elevator, and I, we just stopped, and I prayed for her mother. And then I took out my oil, which I always have, and I said, this is vicarious anointing. And I knew, used the mother's name and anointed the woman for healing. And her mouth dropped open like she'd never experienced anything like that. But you'd be amazed how often you get called on when you're just walking down the hall at a hospital to do something like that, right? Right, Tommy? I mean, that's you. And uh, John had to leave. But it's a fairly common occurrence, you know. And t typically, you just don't think anything of it. You're just glad to be able to help somebody. And this is to be as well. Not like what's in it for me. It's... Is there something I can do that would help somebody else in a moment, in a time of need, right? Remember that fruit is meant to be eaten and admired. We don't bear fruit for our own consumption, but for others to be fed and helped.
The idea is this. The Spirit has given you life. Now let him direct your steps. I, uh, I pray for birthdays every Sunday, and I always use the phrase, may God lead, guide, and direct your steps this coming year. And this is where that comes from, that the Holy Spirit will be leading, guiding, and directing us as we live out this next year of life. So lead, guide, and direct your steps. Or as the English Revised Bible has it, if the Spirit is the source of our life, let the Spirit also direct its course. So I pray that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control would reflect all of our lives.